2: Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast.
0: is in here. Beautiful goal. What a goal! in by Alexis Sanchez, a quality goal from the Gunners.
3: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Tuesday the 11th of April. I'm your host Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain constructs the perfect footballer. look back at a memorable European semi-final in this week's history lesson. Adrian Clark is back for another dose of the chalkboard. But we kick off by looking back at the weekend's action with Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack reunited in the weekend review.
4: When the match is over, they're still talking. Robuck, what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing? I'm sitting here at 8.45 waiting for you. Well, you know, I'll oh, get out. It's the weekend review with Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack.
3: So, Nick Brumsack and Dan Roebuck joined me on the Arsenal Weekly podcast to take a look back at, let's call it a mixed bag of a week. Uh, gentlemen, good morning. Morning, morning Ross. Um we'll start with the good. I think let's go from the West Ham game and and a good degree of positivity particularly after the second half there. Um Dan should we start with you?
4: Yeah, I think so. It was a good positive display I mean West Ham themselves obviously were in a poor form. They were in poor uh they were putting in poor performances over the course of the previous few weeks. So Arsenal big odds on to win that. And they did what Arsenal did. I thought it was a, a fine performance. I thought the goals were good. Giroud in particular, I thought his effort was probably the pick of the lot. And, and all in all, I think everybody came away from that game thinking, well, this is the start now of a traditional Arsenal late run between now and the end of the season to push for that top four, to show our ability, to show our class, and hopefully do what we've done so often, and that is get a run together. And finishing the top four of the Premier League even though we were still outsiders to do that West Ham went pretty much to plan as far as I'm concerned
3: hey, Spot on with that Giroud goal and of course Mesut Ozil has come in for some recent criticism uh, his goal of course sending the gunners on their way let's have a little reminder
0: Ozil
2: onto Walcott pulls it back good covering by Snodgrass but then not cleared very far Bayer in West Ham scramble it
0: away and then Ozil it's in Mesut Ozil scores. Darren Randolph will be disappointed, but Arsenal have the lead.
3: Mesut Ursel on target there. The boss saying that Ozil had taken that loss to Bayern particularly hard and it's taken him a good while to come to terms and, and really get over it, Nick.
4: Yeah, that's right. And, and Mesut Ozil himself has said recently that that was a result that, that really disappointed him. Um, but I think we, we did see signs of him getting back to somewhere near his best against West Ham. He took his goal well. It was a difficult one to save, wasn't it? Because it bounced just in front of, of Darren Randolph. And then, having done that, of course, he, he then set up Theo uh, Wolcott's second after some, some really nice interplay with, with Alexis Sanchez, the like of which we haven't really seen enough uh, in recent months or so. So I, I don't think it's just the question of, of Mesut Ozil taking that defeat heavily. I think it was, to be honest, the whole squad. I mean, I was out there in in Munich and it was just the way that the team really kind of collapsed in the second half, which, which just wasn't good enough. And, and it wasn't really what we... are what we used to see from Arsenal this season, up to that point, so um, I think it certainly took them some time to get over that, and um, that's shown in, in recent results, unfortunately.
3: And at that stage, in that round of games, with Liverpool and Manchester City dropping points and Arsenal winning three nil, things were looking so much brighter. And then, all the more depressing, then the turnaround against Crystal Palace on Monday night. Uh, obviously, I commentated on the game, as Dan did you.
4: Yeah, it was very disappointing. First time that Arsenal hadn't scored in the Premier League uh, since the 0-0 draw against Middlesbrough. That was back in October. Heaviest ever defeat at the hands of Crystal Palace, who seemed more focused. They seemed uh, more passionate, more energised. They had a game plan. I thought it was an open game of football in the first 45 minutes, and I was quietly surprised. They didn't do a West Brom. I know that the possession stats have ended up being similar, but it's not as if they completely sat back. They had plenty of the ball. They created chances. And you always feel when a team plays like that, that Arsenal have got every chance of at least scoring, of at least dominating and creating opportunities. Um, And I thought after they scored, that Arsenal's response would be key. And into the second half, we saw a flurry for the opening five or six minutes, but then nothing. Didn't register a shot on target in the second half, which was wholly disappointing. Uh, There were an awful lot of under par performances. Unfortunately, no one sparkled for Arsenal at all. And the most frustrating thing is, as we all know, is that we see these players, and this is the same group of players pretty much that we've seen over the last few years. They are talented individuals. We know how good they can be. You only got to look back to the early part of the season with the same group of players to remind ourselves what they can do both defensively. And of course, Uh, going forward, but it was uh, a poor display. Uh, There's uh, nothing really we can say coming out of it to suggest that there's any sort of positivity around it. We've got a knuckle down between now and the end of the season. Top four seems very slim. Uh, I guess the interesting thing about the Europa League is that even if you finish seventh, because of the way the cup competitions have gone domestically in this country, you're going to get into the Europa League. You're going to have to miss by a mile rather than an inch. To drop out of Europe and I know an awful lot of supporters are saying look let's do a Chelsea Chelsea finished you know way outside the European places uh, last year Arsenal are going to be in Europe one way or another and incidentally if Arsenal finish seventh then they go into a third qualifying round of the Europa League which is played either side of the Emirates Cup date so I'm not quite sure how that's going to be affected it's something obviously we'll hope to avoid but yeah all in all a pretty poor night in
3: South London I appreciate your thoughts on that let's hear a little bit from the boss speaking post-match and where he felt the game was lost
0: I felt uh, we lost too many decisive duels at the start of the game and after we came back into the game uh, at one nil down and uh, created some dangerous situations I felt in the second half uh, we couldn't uh, push on and uh, and uh, in the end uh, they, we, we lost too many duels that of course we paid for and and uh, Christopher Palace was sharper in decisive moments in the game.
3: Arsenal Wenger there. And uh, Nick, obviously, one of the big issues, as we've already heard briefly alluded to, is the away Premier League performances for defeats on the spin. I wonder why it's going so particularly wrong there.
4: Well, it's particularly concerning given that Arsenal's away form be- before then had been quite decent in the Premier League, given a, a couple of defeats against Manchester City and, and Everton aside. Arsenal had actually been pretty decent. Um, in domestic games away from the Emirates. I think the important thing though now is just focusing on not looking back too much and just on putting it right. There's another away game, of course, coming up next Monday against Middlesbrough and they quite simply have to win it. And I mean, Dan's just been speaking, hasn't he, about the Europa League, but looking at the table, if Arsenal can somehow turn this around, win both their games in hand, they're only three points behind Liverpool, and as we've seen in recent seasons, when it does come to the crunch, they have been able to get themselves into the top four. Of course, now, at the moment, it looks incredibly um, unrealistic, given the way that the team is performing, given recent results, and given the fact that uh, rivals don't seem to be dropping too many points. But with eight matches left, 24 points to play for, there is really still a lot for these um, players to try and achieve this season. Of course, we all wanted to win the title, we all wanted to compete for honours that's not going to happen FA Cup aside Um, so let's just try and put things right as as soon as possible start with a win at Riverside Stadium and then build from there and and see what the end of the season brings just picking up on what Nick was saying and he's absolutely right 24 points to play for if you look back at last season Manchester City managed to get a top-four place with 66 points, I think it was. We're only 12 points behind that. Now, obviously, last season was something of an anomaly with with Leicester winning the league and big teams taking points off each other and finishing way outside of the top-four places. And if you try and assess how many points Arsenal will need to get to top-four, and I'm not completely ruling it out because I don't think we can, and I'm sure that the boss isn't either, then from 54, if we can get to 71, that's... You know, another 17 points from an available 24. Would that be enough? Maybe Liverpool's running is easy, uh, easy than everybody else in the top six. Uh, Manchester City, I thought, were the team to target because I think their defence is quite poor. They've got some tough games coming up. But look. As Nick says, you, you've got to fight for every single point and it's got to start at Middlesbrough next week.
3: And gentlemen, let's just finish with the word fight. We've ho- heard as well Arsene Wenger talking about losing key duels in that Palace game. And I think just coming out, and okay, there might be confidence issues, possibly quality issues in certain areas, but I just think that die-hard, really combative spirit and uniting is, is so key. I'll let you both just answer with that thought.
4: Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, Russ. And when you look at the games against West Brom and, and Crystal Palace, and you can comfortably say that in those games, the team were probably out for, and Theo Walcott said it himself after the, the Crystal Palace game, they wanted it more than us from the start. That's not really good enough for Arsenal. That's not an Arsenal performance. Theo Walcott, of course, said that himself. Um, on Monday night as well. So that is the key now. You go to Middlesbrough, it's another team who are fighting for every single point. They're they're really up against it. If they want to stay in the Premier League, you have to match them for application, for effort, for desire. And if you do that, let your quality do the talking. And the same goes for every other game until the end of the season. The the home game against Leicester, of course, enjoying a bit of a resurgence under Craig Shakespeare before that North London derby uh, against Tottenham at the end of the month. And I mean, you shouldn't need any sort of motivation to go into that, the last one at, at White Hart Lane. And then hopefully get a positive result there. And you've got three Premier League games left. Give everything in those and just try and finish as hard as you can. Look, what I saw on the pitch after the game at the 90 minutes at Sellers Park, when we were looking at the Arsenal players, and I know one or two went over to the supporters and one or two of the supporters had a bit of a go back, but there was some expressions on the faces of a number of Arsenal players as they came off. And you know, Ross and Nick does as well, that the tunnel at Sellers Park is in the corner. So they come towards where the where the press box is. And you know that the players are hurting. I know sometimes fans don't believe it, but the players are hurting at the moment. They will be doing everything that they possibly can to turn this around. There is fight in this Arsenal side. There is a togetherness as well. We saw it early this season. We saw it last season. Let's not forget, Arsenal lost five games in a seven-match spell between late February and mid-March. Going out of the FA Cup, going out of the Champions League. Before we turned it around, we pulled it around. Yes, we were in a better position in the league, but we went on an unbeaten run. At, what was it? Nine games, 10 games in the end. Okay, a couple of draws thrown in, and that might not be enough for Champions League qualification. But what we can do between now and the end of the season is just regain that momentum, focus. On the Middlesbrough game, first and foremost, some big games coming up. People are asking me about the Spurs game coming up. I have no doubt whatsoever that the Arsenal players will be fighting for their lives when it comes to that trip to White Hart Lane. Manchester United at the Emirates as well. I've never seen an Arsenal side at home lie down to Manchester United. There are opportunities for these players to stand up and be counted. And I am absolutely positive that they will do just that.
3: Redemption could be around the corner. Dan Roebuck, Nick Bromsack, as ever. Appreciate your thoughts right here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Always good to have you both on. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Ross. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is a player who's having a few more first-team opportunities of late and is certainly impressing when he gets those chances. We sat down with the Ox last week and tasked him with building the perfect footballer using the best attributes of all his current teammates.
5: Ox, welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Good to have you here, mate. Um, We are going to try building the perfect footballer using attributes from your teammates. So I've got seven categories here. First one, heading. Whose heading ability would you want? out of any of the lads in the team?
6: In the team now? Yeah. Uh,
5: I thought it was I'd easy probably
6: one. say... No, I'm not going to say a defender. Oh, because... starts oh, the curveball early. I'm not going to... I'm going to say Olivier Giroud. Hmm. Because if I could get myself in the box and score as many headers as him, it'd be quite handy. Um, it'd be a nice tool to have in the armory. So he's, he's obviously one of the best that I've ever played with at doing it. Um, and he proves it a lot, so... I'd uh, I'd like to have Olivier's heading ability.
5: I doubt you're going to pick Olivier for the next one. Tackling. <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs> you Lauren, could. Lauren Koscielny. I wouldn't pick Granite Shaka either for that one. <laughs> I'll go with Lauren Koscielny. He's um, he's the toughest person to get past one v one, and you know even when you think you've gone past him, he he brings out some unorthodox tackles and finds a way of stopping you. Um, and when it's when it's there to be one and kick someone he doesn't mind doing that either he's a good tackler
5: does he let up in training at all no, or does he no, have no. to stop him?
6: you know if it's a 50-50 and Lauren's coming in just let him have the ball <laughs> you just you just move out of the way for him because it usually will end up with a, a kick and a trip to the physio room after training but that's why he's a good defender
5: how about first touch and this is an interesting one you've got a lot oh. of people to pick from here
6: I'd say um Mesut. On then, A bit more. No, it's, I Why know. It's between, Who's, it Who's it up it, against? Meza, Santi, and probably Alexis as well. Alexis is is uh, Alexis is really good at controlling the ball. Quite weirdly, like he has his own, like he controls it on his head or his chest in weird ways, and it's quite clever with his, and inventive with his first touches um, to create himself an, an opportunity to shoot. Meza is just so relaxed when when you give him the ball. It's like he has his own. He can control balls and go past you with his first touch at his own speed. And people may not. I guess they are. He's, everyone knows he's a great player. Um, but when you when you're you're a player yourself and you see the things he does, it looks so simple, but it's near on impossible to the, do the times. optics
5: times. The optics are funny with Mesut, isn't it? He kind mm. of looks like he's not trying sometimes, but he's just breezing past you.
6: Yeah, that's just the way he plays, and, you know, that's when he picks out an unbelievable pass or an assist, he can do that because he plays the game with so much time in his, in his own mind. So, you know, if, when people look and think that maybe he's not ratting around quick enough, you know, they won't be complaining when he picks out an unbelievable pass, which he probably wouldn't be able to do if he was ratting around you know, <laughs> some people that that are good at harrying around and sprinting around they can't do the things mesut can do and likewise mesut might not be so good at doing that part of the game you know
0: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
6: it's, it's why everyone everyone's has their own uh, style of play and that's just the way mesut mesut plays and he's one of the most hard-working players in our team and i'll always say that you know when we get all our stats back mesut's always top he's always right up there top three every single game and It's quite frustrating really when when i see people don't uh don't realize that and they think that you know i hear sometimes people saying he's lazy he does the most running for a midfield player in behind every time we get the ball he's sprinting over the top and does it all game every game um and we get the stats so we see it uh so yeah and santi he's got two feet just as good as each other right foot left foot it doesn't matter his first touches top 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 with both feet and it doesn't matter how you give him the ball, you can smash <laughs> it at him, you can, he pulls out the sky, he's, he's, he's special, Santi. Santi's special little man, isn't he?
5: <laughs> he's <laughs> he's the man, Santi, man. isn't he? Do you miss yeah. playing with
6: him? I do, yeah. yeah. I think we all miss playing with Santi. Yeah. And he always adds a little bit of spice to the game and a bit of magic every now and again, yeah. or quite often, so yeah. we definitely miss Santi.
5: He's cool. Um, passing? You kind of alluded to it, is it going to be Mez?
6: Mez, yeah, but um i 'd also put granite Xhaka in there as well he 's one of the best passers for sure i 've ever played with um, you know he 's very confident with with his passing and and as a midfielder, sometimes the way we like to play we, we play balls through the lines in between uh, their midfielders and their defenders, sometimes you have to find small gaps to. To really pass him into, and he's he's really confident at doing that, and backs himself and pulls them off a lot. And his his long-range passing is is top as well. I've seen stats for, for how many long balls he completes as well, which is which is not an easy thing to do, and his stats are amazing for that. So Granite's definitely, you know, he's like a, I I always say he's like the quarterback. He's like Tom Brady, you know. You just give him the ball, and he'll just start things off and set things away uh, with the way he passes it. So. I'd put him in there. How about left foot? Left foot, again. Granite and Mezet, obviously. Those You've got to two. pick one. I've got to pick
5: one, have I? You, did you pick Mezet for passing, or were you leaning towards Granite? I'm going to pick Granite for passing. So left foot
6: then? I'm going to go Mezet for left foot.
5: Well, well divvyed up, fair. Yeah. Yeah, fair. nice.
6: Nice. Give them both a bit, of, bit of love there.
5: How about right foot?
6: Right foot. Right foot is a never- Quite as sexy as the left foot as well. Nah, right. it's boring, it just isn't it? doesn't look as nice as when they kick the ball. Right foot... Um, what is Santi, by the way? Have you Santi, found out? Santi's... He doesn't have a right or a left, he just has a foot. They're just <laughs> both like <laughs> <quite> the same. <laughs> right foot. Ooh. Um, Alexis has got a really good right foot.
5: You're not a contender?
6: I'd like to, I'd like to put myself as a contender. Think I've got quite a good shot when we do shooting with the lads on um, I've got quite a venomous strike at times. I need to bring it out in the game a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think now I'm in midfield, playing in midfield a little bit more and I might have a few more opportunities to, to let fly from outside the box, so stay tuned. Could be coming out soon. I'll put myself in there, yeah. I'm gonna bat myself a right foot. So I've got to put Santy back in there as well though, otherwise it's just it's not realistic if I don't.
5: Oh, so um, you're putting Santi back in at right foot and taking yourself out?
6: No, I'm going to put him up there. I'm just going to say his name because he deserves to be <laughs> in there. Any sort of te- technical aspect, Santi's got to come in there.
5: All right, right, we'll put, we'll put Santi as B, you as A, him as <laughs> B then. Um, last one, leadership.
6: Leadership, uh, Perma Um I think he's, he's a really good, really good all-round captain. Um, and obviously I think he's, He's shown how, how uh, I don't know what the word is, selfless he's been this season. Um, obviously since he's had a bad injury he's come back and he's, he's not in the team at the moment, but he's always on his duties, you know, off the pitch, even went through his injury, making sure that, you know, that the team keep, is keeping up the standards and training off the pitch, um, you know, meetings, whatever, is always pushing us to to be the best we can be. And obviously with what he's achieved, in his career, um, he he he's not short of uh, giving his wisdom off to to everyone around him, but he does it in, a, in an amazing way where he's got. You know, everyone's close with him, the, the the youngest players in the team, he spends time with them and, and you know, he has has his own jokes with them and, and the older boys as well. I think he's got that massive respect from all the boys and, and he does it in a really good way that you, you want to listen to him. No matter when when he uh, wants to speak to you or what he wants to say, you always respect him and listen to him. And he's been a really good leader ever since I've, I've played with him, for sure.
7: And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Charlie George, who can hit him. goal oh,
5: It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end!
3: On the 12th of April 1994, Arsenal beat Paris Saint-Germain by a goal to nil in the second leg of their European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final at Highbury.
7: Smith, Dixon, looking to measure up across, gets one in!
0: It's a goal there.
5: Super start for Arsenal.
6: What a magnificent ball from Lee Dixon. We talk about the quality of crossing, look at
7: this. And the keeper caught out of the near post a little bit here
4: Kevin Campbell, unmarked,
3: picks the only spot that would have got him a goal. The keeper's very unlucky there, Lama. Great attempt, but a magnificent cross and a great finish there. That memorable win confirmed a 2 1 aggregate victory, securing the Gunners a place in that season's final, which they famously won against Palmer. All of that courtesy of Alan Smith's first half strike. Dixon. Dixon again. That's a Minotti with the acrobatics, it falls for Smith.
0: Oh! A superb goal for Alan Smith! Just what Arsenal wanted. And Smith, who's laboured for so long, really, in the past couple of years, in the shadows of Ian Wright when it comes to goal-scoring, no right tonight. Smith seizes the opportunity.
3: And that's football for you. Brolin hits the inside of the post, it stays out. Smith does, it goes in, and Arsenal are in front. We'll have another history lesson for you next week but now it's time to talk to Adrian Clark at the chalkboard the chalkboard
2: with Adrian Clark
3: well Adrian Clark now joins me at the chalkboard Clarky good morning and uh, i guess not the best of morning sadly for arsenal fans
7: hello russ yeah no you don't catch me in a cheery mood i think i'm feeling... Like every other Arsenal supporter at the moment, they <laughs> utterly miserable. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure I like football anymore after that defeat to Crystal Palace. It's one of those where you just yeah you feel really downhearted. But look, onwards and upwards, you've got to
4: bounce back from these disappointments.
3: And that, of course, all begins Monday evening. So a, a full seven day turnaround for Arsenal, at least as they prepare to take on a Middlesbrough team who are staring relegation right right in the face, aren't
7: they? Well, they are. Yeah, I, I think Middlesbrough are down. To be perfectly honest, so I don't think they've got any chance of surviving. And they changed their manager, but I think they changed their manager too late um, for their point of view. They just haven't scored anywhere near enough goals, and because of that, there is, it's applied too much pressure to the back four and to the midfielder that protects them. And ultimately, they haven't quite been good enough. As for Arsenal. Having that seven days in between, having to wait uh, another full weekend, not ideal. I would suggest because the training grounds, having you know played for teams when when we've been on a rotten run, it's not nice. It's not nice on the training ground. You, you you're very touchy. You you just want to get on with it. You want to put things right. So I'd imagine that yeah, London Colney, there'll be a lot of testosterone flying around there this week, and hopefully the players will be able to use that pent-up frustration at the Riverside and put in a much-improved performance.
3: Now, what would you assess as Borough's strength at the moment? I mean, defensively, they've generally been fairly tight, but because of the lack of goals at the other end, it's on the whole not been enough, has
7: it? No, it's not been enough, no. Um, Well, the strength is being organised, and they're, they're not that easy to break down, I think they've got a lot of industry in the middle of the park. Whoever plays there um, tends to get around the pitch. They, they they dog around. They break up play quite effectively. I like Ben Gibson. He's not the finished article, but he's a, a centre half of, of promise. He, he puts in a lot of blocks. He wins a lot of headers. And I think I actually, think Victor Valdez, He, he had the odd poor match where he's given goals away, but but he's had a decent season. He's a, he's a quality. Shot stopper. So yeah, I'd say that, the, that their, their success stories this season are at the back, um, and, and they proved that, didn't they, with the draw at Emirates Stadium earlier on in the season? So they'll be looking for the same again.
3: What would you say then is a key head-to-head battleground for you, given what's obviously happened to the Gunners?
7: Well, I think you have to look at what's just happened and uh, at Selhurst Park, and all eyes are on the centre backs. First of all, I, you know, I wonder if the manager will make a change there, with Mustafi and Gabriel, I don't think either cover themselves in glory against Crystal Palace. Um, So it'll be fascinating to see if Pierre Mertesacker is, is given a recall, or potentially Rob Holding as well. Um, Whoever plays centre-half, the key battle will be their duel with Gostad. I think Gostad will play in this game because of his aerial threat. Arsenal have to handle it. They really do. And, and if they do handle it, they should be much better.
3: Now, I've deliberately withheld our question on the chalkboard till now because it fits in with that exact question because we talked about key battle areas, but what mm. formation change would you employ to stop Arsenal's poor run and how could that therefore help that battle situation?
7: <laughs> well, first and foremost, I only thing think of poor run is wholly down to the system or the shape. I, I, I think there are a number of factors. The main factor is that too many players are not in good form at the moment and that's going to affect any team. There are other issues, of course, outstanding. Probably be too long for me to go into here. But um, in terms of the shape, yes, I've been an advocate. I've been mentioning this on the podcast, on the break, well, not the breakdown, but I've mentioned it a few times. I'd like to see a three-man engine room. I'd like to see that given a try because sometimes it feels as if the two guys we have in there don't offer enough protection or they're un- unable to. So, so for me, it would suit Arsenal to have a, a solid three-man injury. And that means, I guess, moving Mesut Ozil into a different role. I, I like, I would like to see a 4-3, 2-1 formation used. And, and that would be with, you know, three orthodox, orthodox midfielders, Mesut and one other in behind Alexis. Because I, I do think that Alexis is our best bet up top. And in
3: a sentence, moving back on to the next game, how do you beat Middlesbrough?
7: Well, you beat Middlesbrough in this game by showing much more fights. It's, it's all about attitude in this game. And Arsenal I have to put right the wrongs of that Crystal Palace defeat. It, it all boils down to their mentality.
3: OK, that's how that one all stands. From that to our ongoing prediction competition, Clarkie. It's been close. It's been compelling. You've drawn back level. And I'm delighted to say we're now joined on the line by the Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, Liam Roberts.
2: And I'm, I'm in the studio this week and you guys aren't. So um, I, I decided to come back to work and you've decided not to. I just found a better
3: studio to do it from, sorry.
2: Yeah,
7: I just can't face it, Liam. I can't. <laughs> I'm
2: yeah, we will meet up one more time this season, I promise. Oh, god. on
7: then.
2: Uh, So last week, um, we, the rule we revolved around Olivier Giroud. We wanted to know how many minutes he'd play in the two games. Uh, do you guys remember what you said?
3: I think I thought he'd be a sub and one and start one. So I went around. Was it 80,
7: 85? Uh, You said 84. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that I said there'd be two substitute appearances. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. 50, 50 odd, I'd imagine. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you said 55. Um, yeah. And it was actually 54. So oh, Adrian oh, was oh. one minute out. Unbelievable guess. <laughs> um, unfortunately,
7: oh, what on so your smile on my face. That, I'll tell you what, I'll make a bigger smile if you tell me that's a three point haul. No, I can't bring myself to do it, I'm afraid. Can't, can't it's
2: not to quite perfection, is
3: it? it? It's close. No, it's close. Exactly, yeah, Seriously. I always Seriously? say it's
2: exact, the exact result, and it's not the exact result, I'm afraid. So at uh, one point, so it puts you into the lead. Oof. Consolation, it puts you into the lead. I
3: was worried then.
2: I'm not, I, I'll be honest, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Right, let's move on. It's the first time you've been in the lead for about four months, so I'd take it if I was you. <laughs>
7: I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit I'm, yeah I'm choking up here just let's, let's crack on I'm just going to keep quiet and lick my
3: wounds and move on absolutely
2: cool. so Adrian you'll be first this week so you've got a, another slight advantage we're going to revisit a question asked earlier in the season because I enjoyed it it's um, which Arsenal player will touch the ball first in the game against Middlesbrough
7: yeah right okay You're right. It's, it's part of luck isn't it who's going to kick off um Let's go. I think Middlesbrough kick off and they're going to boot it towards um, the left back, and Nacho Monreal is going to head it out of play. That's my prediction. Okay, Nacho Monreal for you.
3: I think that just full of fire and galvanisation to take the situation by the, the horns. I'm going to say Alexis Sanchez with fire in his belly.
2: Okay, so Alexis for you, uh, natural Memorial for Adrian. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday with the results.
3: Liam, thank you very much indeed. Plenty more from Liam, and of course from the brilliant Adrian Clark coming up. And Clarky, when can we hear or see you again?
7: I will be back in the Matchday Show studio for the Middlesbrough game. So yeah, I'm hoping it'll be a thoroughly more pleasant evening all round.
3: Top stuff. Thank you very much. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, to Dan Roebuck and Nick Bramsack and of course to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process. You can find us on Acast these days as well, so you've never got the excuse to miss another episode. We're back on Tuesday the 18th of April after that Middlesbrough game and until then it's bye for now and come on you Gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast.